Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Good day to you listeners. This is Jim, the Keys Bartender, for the Home Alone edition of Keys Bartender. Yes, my wife and stepdaughter are in Poland as we speak, and that was a little touch and go. I'll get a little more in depth in that. The last time I was left home alone, I didn't leave. I, I'll go over the quick details of it. I don't want to bore you too much, but... They uh, left Miami here yesterday. I drove them to the airport. It was, uh, it's not an unusual event. I've done this before. I dropped them, I've been to the airport with them and left together. Came, saw them three time, three other times. I came by myself to Poland. This time's a little different. We were uh, with the Polish thing. The girls with Abby being Polish and. Uh, Sky being born of a Polish mother, that we were pretty sure Poland had restrictions. No U.S. citizens could enter Poland as of today, let's say, without good reason. Now, I'm going to come clean on some things. First of all, Abby and I are not married. I call her my wife, but we are married. We're engaged. We've been engaged for, gosh, how many years? Five years, and I've been holding off because I thought it was best for healthcare for my stepdaughter, who technically is my stepdaughter if we're not married and all that stuff. But I call her, she is my step. She's my daughter. Her father passed away. She doesn't have another father. She does. He, he she does have another father. He just happens to have passed away. So I'm going to clear that up. Now, if I had decided, and now I think. There's no impediment now after we talk to attorneys and accountants and stuff like that. It seems like there's no real financial benefit. It will not cause financial hardship if we just got married. Now I have to just shit and get off the pot with that thing. Okay? Now, to get on with the Polish thing. Several months ago, we had two, three months ago, we had decided the girls would go to Poland. Abby has to go just to visit her family. Your parents are getting up there in age. So, you know, I'm not suggesting this could be the last time, but, you know, when people are, you know, 
the, the father's in his 80s and the mother's almost 80. So there's that. And we also have property over there. Or Abby has pop property over there that needs to be looked at. So the confusion with going over into Europe, and I know we're not talking about the keys. Right now we're in the midst of this storm cycle. There's a, a chain of clouds. It looks like a, a, a it's, I, I, I don't know what to technically call it, but if you look at the map, there's this system traveling. It looks like at least 5,000 miles from the South Pacific, uh, a couple hundred miles wide, just storms uh, that kind of loop up and down in a continuous line, comes up towards the tip of Florida. Hits it, kind of dips around with the Gulf Stream and things like that. It's really weird. So we, we're, we're going to be in a cycle of rain for a little while. And I guess that's what happens in different areas of the world with monsoon season and things like that. So the weather is fine down here. We have a decent amount of traffic. Things are opening up. So we're getting more towards our normal type of traffic this time of year, which is all right. Because we had a really good spring and uh, a lot of people were under stress and with the opening of restrictions people taking off their mask it seems like other pathogens or things are coming in contact you see people getting the flu and the cold and all these other things though it's it would appear as if restaurant workers would be a little more immune to that since they were out there longer than most people. Not most, I didn't say all, most people like cashiers and all those things, even though a lot of them are protected. So I'm going to move off that. So if you do come down to Keys, come and visit us at the Catch Restaurant and Bar at Mile Marker 102, Oceanside, open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. And if you do come and tell, come and see me, or if you see someone saying you listen, you're a listener of the podcast, Keys Bartender. And also, I like to thank my listeners all around. We had a big uptick in listeners in Pennsylvania, Florida, a bunch of other states. We're doing pretty pretty good right now, and especially the Russian Federation. Um, I have to say, Jinkuya to you. Thank you. I, I know my pronunciation may be off, but thank you. So, I'm going to pause this for right now. Let me put the music back on. I have put my dog outside. She just woke up. I'm going to go over all, not the minutia, but I'll tell you a little about what happened. Be right back. Okay, and we're back. Yeah, had to let the dog in. I'm the one, if the question was who let the dogs out, I let the dog out. And now the dog's back in. So, I'm doing this in the morning. My dog gets likes to sleep in late. So, my girls, so we get all those definitions out. I explain what our marital status is and things like that. But I'll still refer to my wife and my stepdaughter, even though when we get married... Uh, 
I think I'll explain this a little later about my theory that since we brought it, since I brought it up. I'm just, you notice how when I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, I'm trying to presuppose what your questions are when I say those things. Is he married? Is he not married? What is his status? You know? Okay. Yeah. I was married once. I was married once and divorced. I am divorced. I have the paperwork. So now uh, I'm engaged and I've been engaged for a while. So they, at the time they that Abby and my daughter and Abby's sister were deciding to go, there was kind of a real weird thing about getting into Europe. No one really knew what was expected of you when you come. All that we knew was if you didn't meet certain criteria as a U.S. citizen, you could not enter Poland. And then, you know, they had this weird rules. Uh, not weird. You know, it's pandemic rules. So it's all new. It's all slapdash. It's not, it takes years to develop rules on immigration and things like that. And they can shut it down so quickly. It's easier to shut it down completely than to alter the rules into an orderly thing so you can explain it to people. So they had a hard time explaining. So as of several weeks ago, more than several weeks, we were under the understanding that they had to have a certain type of COVID test that from had to be taken 48 hours by, from the time you landed in. They have this description. It's called the Shenzhen area. S-C-H-E-N-G-E-N. I think it's a treaty that came about during COVID. And it's mainly, it's a European Union and European Union member states and non-member states in that area of the world that meet a certain criteria. If you're in there, they allowed almost free entry with tests and all that stuff. And if you're out and have a, you meet other criteria like being essential to working in Poland, being a member of Allied Armed Forces, being uh, a Polish citizen who has a, you know, has a, people that have a right to Polish, citizen, Polish citizenship, things like that. Now, Abby had an expired passport, but she is a Polish citizen. So do, does that make you not having a passport? She had a U.S. passport and expired Polish passport. Well, what the rules are when you enter certain places... If you enter under one passport, let's say you hold two, and particularly in Poland, if you enter under a Polish passport, you have to leave under a Polish passport. And you're subject to Polish laws 100%. Now, obviously, foreign citizens are subject to Polish law. But when you enter... In the country, in Poland, they do not consider you a U.S. citizen. They consider you a Polish citizen. And that you have to leave under that passport. So you can't, you know, and in allied states, a lot of times, you know, if you remember during the heyday of real bad terrorism and hijackings and all these things, uh, some U.S. citizens that had the option of becoming having dual citizenship, held two passports. And it would be behoove them if you were traveling abroad, if you're, let's say if you were uh, eligible for an Irish passport, to have an Irish passport because, you know, most people didn't have a problem in modern times with people of Irish nationality. 
but they had a grudge with U.S. citizens. So if you think about the Kelly Lauro and all that stuff, that was a hijacking on a cruise ship, and they killed uh, uh, U.S. citizens particularly. But I don't know why I diverged here. So we had this thing where we had to get a test 48 hours. Now, anybody who got COVID tests realized there's no guarantee that if you get a PCR test, you're going to get the results in 48 hours. Matter of fact, the girls ended up trying to get a test on Monday, which I didn't really understand why they were getting on Monday because they were leaving on Thursday. And that was 72 hours. So any test results they would have gotten would have been... Um, not, you know, couldn't be used. They wouldn't accept them because it would have shown they got the test at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday and they expired on 2 o'clock on Wednesday and they were going to be arriving on Friday. According to that, well, actually it would be with the time change, they'd be arriving, well, still on, in, around 2 a.m. Friday morning. So I won't go to particulars of that. So, so now, I'm still not allowed to go in. The girls get on the plane. I drive up. We drive up to Miami. We do all the routines where we weigh the bags and all that stuff. So you have a multi-tier thing of going into the airport. Miami International Airport is, I've heard it by so many people, that is not the most user-friendly airport in the world. It's funny. I came from Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is the same kind of similar way. Some great airports. You got some great airports in uh, Europe. I'll tell you the one in Warsaw. I like that one there. I know, and uh, Krakow has a really nice airport. It's it's more compact. It's not a big city. It's not like Miami's a huge airport on the along the lines of like Midway Airport or where's where O'Hare O'Hare Airport in Miami in Chicago. So Miami International is like the gateway to South America, one of the largest airports in the world. And it's just, it's a big U. And you get there and you got the international section is on the east side. I'd have to, I'm just picking it from perspective on the east side of the U, the international section. And you have all the parking in the center of the U. And... We we went and found a park job. We ended up I ended up parking almost a quarter mile away from the terminal, which we're all healthy, so we were able to bring the bags. Uh, even though my daughter's suitcase developed a bad wheel, we get it up. We got in there, and it looks like everyone uh, that's traveling is packed. There's so many people in the airport as it normally is. You see all the mandatory mask wearing in the airport. And because, especially in international airport, they're going to different places. So every place has their own restrictions going in. Some of these places have various levels of infection. So, so the girls are going to the airport and they got everything set. They got the, their bags and all this stuff. And they're changing in the, in the year and a half. It's almost two years because last year you really couldn't travel. In the two years, they changed their policy on suitcases and things like that. And you have to pay for checked luggage. You're doing, they're throwing another level of thing where you have to pay for checked luggage instead of care for international travel. Domestic travel, you can understand that they don't 
incorporate because a lot of people are going for the day or short trips and they do carry-on and they don't have to pay for carry-on. So we checked the bags and all that stuff. We're there at the airport. Um, The security check-in, though, was very short, though, even though we were there in the middle of the day on Friday. Right around right around one thirty, six minutes, the line. Normally, it's like a, getting on Space Mountain in, in fucking Disney World. You know, with one of those curvy, all the curvy lines and stuff like that going through the uh, uh, waiting, waiting to go through security. This, it took no more than about eight minutes for my family to get in there. So there I am. Saying goodbye, dropping them off, and then, you know, it's a tearful goodbye. Not tearful. I'm not crying, you know, at, at this time. I'm not that emotional yet at this age, right? Luckily, I'm not. I don't want to be too too much. I, I did watch the movie World Trade Center just like uh, last night and uh, this morning, the rest, the end of it this morning before I did the show, and uh, the Oliver Stone one. And uh, it was kind of a tearjerker, I have to admit that, uh, I, about how they rescued the guys that were trapped underneath uh, Tower 2 or Tower 1. I don't don't know which one. Oh, no, actually, they were in the concourse between the two. So here I drive back, driving back from the airport waiting. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Well, four, four year, right before, I guess five years ago, before the... A year before I started the podcast, I was still, I was drinking. So I'm a year and a half sober now. I'm not blaming on the drinking necessarily, but when my girls left, they left for the same, almost the same amount of time, about six weeks. Maybe longer, who knows? About six weeks. And I dropped them off and I was doing other things and I wasn't working at... The restaurant I'm currently, I was doing my own thing. I had my own business going. And I was working part-time at the restaurant. And I was trying to get my businesses off the ground and things like that. A lot of stress. I'm drinking. I was taking, God, what was that stuff I was taking? Some alertness stuff. It was over-the-counter. It was over-the-counter stuff. But I was drinking at the time. And and man, did that make you depressed. And when you're used to having... Your family with you, and they're all gone. You got an empty house and just a dog. I was depressed and anxious and all those things. It was incredible. I never felt that way in my life for a sustained amount of time. I would stay up late at night. I I just had these horrible, the way I, I would drink constantly. I would just have a lot of booze and all that stuff that were... I uh, mean, my finances were in the shithole from drinking and, you know, and I'm trying to run my own business and a lot of it's transportation. So I was trying to gauge when I could drink because you can't, I can't go and deliver stuff. I was doing the, I won't go into details of what I was doing. You can't go and deliver stuff while you're drinking. So I wait till a certain time. And if I started drinking in the middle of the day, I couldn't deliver anything the rest of the day. So it was kind of killing my business. My anxiety was killing me. And I had to go back to a regular work. I need I needed structure. 
and not having the girls here, doing my own business, drinking and all that stuff. I didn't have the structure. And I didn't have the commitment or discipline to do the things I needed to do in order to have, you know, an orderly life. When I say orderly, life is messy, but it was orderly. So this time, I'm driving back and I'm thinking it's going to be a little different because I'm sober now. And it, it appears to be different. Because I dropped the girls off, I got in the car, I I had to do something with my wife's phone to make sure she had international had some international plan. I wanted to do that while they were in transit to get the most out of it, to make sure I was starting it was starting on the day that they arrived, so they get it was one month and then I can redo it another month. Or I can actually increase it if I have to. So <clears throat> I did that. I drove home and I'm getting on, once again, in Miami airport, just like any airport. There are four options when you're leaving the exit airport, four different places to go. And I wanted to get all the way to the right. And some guy just fucking cut me off. 30 minutes, 30 minutes. I had to go north and make a U-turn, you know, get, get on one of these expressways and then go into Miami Beach proper, turn around, make my way back to the turnpike. Uh, I didn't think, I was kind of pissed off at the guy. He was being a little aggressive driving. But you know what? I waited too long to get over to the right lane. That was my fault. I try to. I try not to personalize things with people driving. If someone's driving fast, they're doing it to everyone, not particularly me. When they're tailgating, they're tailgating everyone, not particularly me. Because people that tailgate just don't do it to one person. Because that's a dangerous thing to do, right? I hope I hope you answered yes. You, you don't have proper st- stopping distance. And if you don't realize your brain, you know, the reaction to the things you see and the way you see and process things take a little time. And the way you... Pr- send a signal to your body to do something, it's not instantaneous. So so when someone slams on the brakes in front of you, you got a little lag time there. That's why you shouldn't tailgate. So the more the greater speed you have, the more time you should give to someone. So I always try to maintain some proper distance between me and the car in front of me. If someone's tailgating me, giving more distance in between the next car in front of me, just gives me that much more time to stop. The next person, yeah, they may not stop in time, but I'm going to try to give it my best. But if if I'm tailgating someone, that's when you get to change your reaction thing. I don't want to go any deeper than that. Fuck that noise. So <clears throat> I'm a little nervous about this stuff, so I didn't really eat that much. I ate a couple bananas. I had some toast. So I'm thinking I'm just going to eat a big meal. I figure I'm going to just have a cook a steak. So I'm driving back. I have all my plans to do things. My dog, when I get home, my dog is freaking out. This little dog, Roxy. And I don't understand it. His behavior was off the hook, meaning she, every time I walk out the door, you start hearing her bark. She never did that before. Well, she saw, I guess she saw all the luggage go. She knows the girls are gone. Saw a bunch of luggage go out the door. She knows they're gone. And she's thinking, I'm going to leave, I guess. I don't know. I know I'm anthropomorphizing Putting 
human qualities in the dog by saying she was upset, but she was upset. And I'll, I, I can I can demonstrate it through one of the things that happened. So I get home, I pull out, I went, I go shopping, get stuff that I'm going to eat the next couple of days. And since the girls aren't here, you hear in my head, I can eat whatever I want, but I got to eat. You know what? I realized I got to eat healthy. I can't just eat what I want. But I love steak. I fucking love meat to this day. It's an ethical problem for me because I love animals too, but I still love meat, right? So there's a sale on steak. I go and get steak, blah, blah, blah. I come home. I like to get it to room temperature and season it before I go and do it. I'm doing all that stuff. And I get a, a message, a phone call from California for my other business, my notary signing business. And they have a signing here in town for a real estate deal. And it pays good money. And they say they need it with as quickly as possible. And I say, you mean like an hour? And they go, yes. And I go, wow, okay. So I I accept it. It's right in town. It's only, it's it's not that arduous to do, but there's a lot of things I have to do. Cross T's, dot I's, print, uh, print out the forms, get a copy for the person that's doing the signing. You don't need to know that particulars. And then, then I call up the person, make sure they schedule that, make sure I have a mailing package to get to do that, get get copies of identification and things like that. So I, I start doing it. I take care of that and I take the thing I'm about to eat. Now, it's already, I get there around 6.30, quarter seven, and I finish up at eight o'clock. And I still haven't really eaten that day. And I'm thinking, is this something, when I get hungry, it could simulate this, that anxiety thing I had before. I just got to eat and do the things I have to do, like go to the gym, take care of business, uh, not dawdle. Because I have a thing about dawdle. I'm a procrastinator. But, I can't, I'm, you know, the thing with signing, I can't, with a signing, I can't dawdle. I'm a, it's weird. I'm a procrastinator who has time anxiety. So when I have something to do, I like to take care of it. I like to be ready for it. I like to be prepared to eliminate it. But I'm also, I'm not necessarily, I was never, I was never a detail-oriented person. It may sound like I'm detailed when it comes to like history or something like that, but I'm, I'm not. I'm pretty slapdash. The nice thing about being a notary is it's forcing me to be a detail-oriented person, to double-check things. To not, you know, at this late stage of my life, it's teaching, it is definitely against that action. I am teaching an old dog a new trick, and that's me. <clears throat> so I got all that done. I came home and I cooked and all that stuff, and I realized I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm relaxed for the evening. I get to bed. I go to bed quarter after 10 because I realized my girls may call me at 2 o'clock in the morning because in the back of my head, I'm anxious. I go, because I don't know. I'm getting back to it. Now, when they're getting on the plane, they didn't ask for a COVID test for them, which is good. Because they all just got their results. But they would have been all expired. So from what we understand from some of the things, the airline can't really tell you what the requirements are in Poland because they're not exactly sure what their emigration area called the Polish Border Guard requires for people that enter. 
where they were able to enter and get the, the test in the airport they were at in Warsaw. And right now, I imagine they should be continuing on through the um, their, their, their last leg of their journey and to pick up their rental car. So they're in. They're in the country. Um, I don't know what the test does. I hope it doesn't. From prior to this week, there was a 10-day required quarantine for people that aren't vaccinated coming into Poland. And two of the people weren't vaccinated. That's Abby's sister and my daughter, who's 14, my stepdaughter. Right now, I don't know. I, I, they're still in flight, so I'm going to get the additional information when it comes. And a matter, matter of fact, I'm waiting for a phone call right now. They should be there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're on their way. They should be on their way in the next 20 minutes. But, and then it's an hour flight to where they're going, and then we'll find out everything, whether they have to quarantine and things like that, because you don't know what they're requiring of you right now. And it's a big-ass fine if they catch you. It's not It's not a traffic fine. It's a life-changing fine for people with a, of middle-class income. Debt, serious debt. But I know they're not going to... I, I know they're not going to screw up about this and stuff. If they if they come if they're test they're getting tested in the airport. We don't know if they get a test in the airport. It's fine, and they don't have to quarantine. Then we'll see. They just have to wear their mask or something like that. So I'm doing all this stuff at home. I'm home alone. No problem. I drank a shitload of coffee this morning, and it's not bothering me. Yeah, and. The funny thing about this stuff, yesterday morning before they left for the airport, I get there's a news item on, from multiple news sources that say the European Union is opening up to, is allowing U.S. citizens into, especially vaccinated U.S. citizens into Europe. Now, individual countries may have their own requirements, but I imagine it will filter down since um, not only is Poland a member of the European Union is also a member of NATO. And this change came about the same time as President Biden was returning from Europe. And I think he strongly urged our allies to, they were going to, we were going to treat, and we have been. I've seen foreign, I know there's foreign tourists here, and we're allowing them here. Why, you know, they ask to reciprocate for people that are vaccinated. And they could do whatever they want. The people that aren't vaccinated, the unvaccinated people, so what? Okay? No, so what? I don't know. But I know vaccinated. If you're going to travel, you should be vaccinated if you're not sure of the country. I'm not telling you, I'm not getting into debate on whether you be vaccinated or not. That is your deal. If you don't want to do it, you don't want to pitch in. I just saw the World Trade Center and I just saw all these people working together and stuff like that to make sure people are all right. And that's about health, too, pulling people out of rubble. So uh, the vaccination ensures against the spread. But if you're hardcore against the vaccination, then I guess you have to deal with the repercussions. 
Sometimes you may have a compelling reason. You might have a compelling reason. But if the odds, the odds of, if you're playing the odds of not getting it, then. I just read a story today about a guy who's just got a double lung transplant because he had COVID. And he was one of the um, ones that refused to be vaccinated. And now his message is, you better get vaccinated because I got COVID and it ruined my lungs. Now I'm a double lung transplant recipient, which I think is a lot of bullshit. If you refuse a vaccine and you get sick, there's people out there that don't have COVID that need lung, lung transplants. My father's a little old for that, but I mean, he's, he's, he has an ailment that's pre-COVID. But he, he was a little old for that. And plus the um, plus the procedure was very arduous for someone his age. But he was healthy. He was healthy prior to it. The only problem was his lungs. And it was, uh, it was degenerative and it's going on. So I know I just threw that in there. I apologize for that. But... I find it very interesting that the things were changing and there was such a flux going out. Such a... And I'm I'm gauging whether I can go to Poland or not because I actually, since I'm going for such a short time relative to my my family, they're, they're there almost seven weeks, I would be there the last two weeks, which I would definitely do the show from there. And I had, I think, I think it's going to be no problem. Now I think it's no problem. Before it looks like they're going to buckle down, and they're going to say, "Nope, no U.S. citizens." But they're they're opening up, and the tickets are selling. They're pretty pretty low right now. They're almost at the price. I when I first started dating Abby twelve years ago, and I went to Poland, which would have been two thousand nine. Yeah, they're almost in those levels. You talk about inflation and all that stuff. That's the one thing that's inflation. Even if I have to play, pay for um, my luggage back and forth, sign up for it, it'd be about the same. If I pay a little more, I'll, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about that. But right now, it looks good as if I'm going to be able to travel, and I'm happy about that. I wanted to talk about other things, and it was about the way people. View we're right now in the United States is so divisive politics. We see each other in such stark contrast. That's impossible to be a good American and be a supporter of either the former occupant of the Oval Office or the current occupant of the Oval Office. And whether people view the former occupant as illegitimate and the current one as illegitimate. It's so hard and fast. I used to think my feelings about George W. Bush were extreme. I did not view him as illegitimate, even though Florida didn't um, pan out the election review in Florida and the recount and things like that. So, I I do realize is it, and but watching that movie, the World Trade Center, right when that happened, when 
when that happened, everyone had their different motivations. You know, say those bastards, those bastards, those bastards. Or other people saw this is a horrible thing and I have to go and do my best to alleviate the suffering of the people that are still surviving. So it's, it's interesting when you view people's reactions. And I bet there's a bunch of people that were involved with the World Trade Center that may have been supporters of the previous occupant of the Oval Office and aren't supporters of this one that were very self-sacrificing. And there's people of the current, supporters of the current president, President Biden, who are the same way. And to the core, that's what unites us. Not whether we have the things that divide us, such as people worrying about immigrants. And remember, one of the stars of the, that World Trade Center, WTC, I was going to call it, uh, Michael Pena, is a Latino. And if we didn't have at least moderate immigration policies where people could enter and become U.S. citizens... He would not have been a member, the actor himself. Or, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing the the way we view certain topics or things like that, like uh, pro-choice, abortion, prayer in school. Does prayer in school, a supporter of prayer in school or a proponent, opponent of prayer in school does that make you a piece of shit if you don't support prayer in school? Or a piece of shit if you make people? I mean, actually, I'm against, I am against mandatory school prayer. Even a moment of silence. I would give a thing, I would give a thing and say, hey, listen, there's a ample time right at the beginning of the school day. Go and pray. You don't need to pray. You can go and meet right outside. Here's the area for us. If you want to go and pray, you can go and sit. You can go and pray out here, or not pray, but don't make it part of the school day. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because not everyone's Christian, and they call it a moment of silence when people hold hands and hold their hands and palms up. That's a Christian thing. I mean, I'm sure there's other sects that do it, but. There's always leaving someone out. There's people There's people that don't believe. They're non-believers. There is a significant amount of people in the United States that are non-believers. So, and they're good people. And there's a significant amount of believers. There is nobody stopping you from praying when you get up in the morning. There's no one stopping you from praying before you walk into school. Or when you walk out of school. You can pray your day away. Pray your day away. School is for school. It's like if you got on an escalator and every fucking time you get on an escalator, you had to stop before you walked up in front of the escalator and stop for 30 seconds and say a prayer before you got on the escalator because everyone has to fucking stand behind you and wait for the escalator. You know, if you have to pray before you get on a fucking escalator, do it before you walk up to the escalator. Don't hold people up. You don't have to specify it. It's a beautiful thing. And if you're praying on your own, doesn't it mean a little more? 
It's like standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I put my hand over the heart. It means something different to me. Because I stand for the symbol, what it symbolizes. I'm not, I'm not pledging allegiance to the flag. I'm pledging allegiance to the United States of America. To, to the Constitution. I understand the Constitution. Not the fucking fucked up version where you carry the little copy of the Constitution and read it. It's like literal. It's a literalization of things like that. But it doesn't stop me because... And if someone needs to kneel during the singing of the National Anthem, people call it a protest. It's a symbolism of that. Just yesterday... The, uh, the the President Biden signed Juneteenth, and that's, I think it's June 19th. And that's the, the freeing of the slaves. This is what I wanted to talk about, the thing. Uh, the freeing of the slaves in the United States. So there was, at one time, the estimate was 3.9 million slaves in the United States in 1860. 3.9 million. And in 1865... When the 13th Amendment was passed, I think the 13th Amendment, it freed all the slaves. I mean, 3.9 million people moved from slavery to a free people. Not so free in some places with Jim Crow and things like that. You know, the, the reactionary people that were getting... But what is the big fucking deal of people saying, that is July 4th. That is the real July 4th. July 4th is great with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. you got to remember, though, there was a significant amount of Americans that were still enslaved at the time the Declaration of Independence was signed. And it did not apply to enslaved Americans. I'm going to call them enslaved Americans. <clears throat> you know, what? why is it a big deal? I'll tell you why it's a big deal. If you think of the thousands of years ago when the Jews left Egypt, it was now estimate. They were, they were, you know, if you take the story literal in the Old Testament that the Jews were enslaved in Egypt, 600,000 600, Jews were freed and returned to Israel after getting lost for 40 years, which kind of like my trip back from Miami. Uh, but they didn't have, they didn't have Google Maps, which isn't always the best, but, you know, there, there it is. They, 600,000. Now, more than, what we go to, almost seven times, or six, let's say more than six and a half times the amount of people were freed from slaves today. And people say, well, they should have sent them back. Once again, that's a stupid argument. You force someone away, you forcibly imprison people, take them out. I don't care if they were enslaved, they were captured by other tribes and stuff like that and sold to white slavers and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. It was still fucking wrong. You don't justify rape that way. What are you doing raping that person? Well, that person, was, those people are raping, so I can rape. No. So 
It's just like it's just like they say about drugs. If there isn't a market for it, there wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been done. They would have just killed each other. You know, if you had an enemy tribe and you say you'd capture some people and sold them to white slavers and stuff like that, and there was no market for slavery, if there was no market, it, we weren't the only ones at the time. I know there were former Sp- Spanish and French colonies and, and Dutch colonies that used slaves. But we were one of the last and we were one of the largest, like I said, we were one of the largest slaveholder civilizations that existed on the planet. Once again, let me say, the U.S. was one of the largest slaveholding societies on the planet. There's no way to wipe that out. You can say, oh, this is um, that... Um, thing we get all pissed off. It's a fact. It's a fact. In 1860, there were millions of Americans that were enslaved. They were freed in 1865, making it by magnitudes a great in time, so much closer, and literal. We know it happened. We know it happened. And I guess if you're so angry, the great thing about the United States, the great thing, the thing that makes us great the thing that makes us great and makes anybody great, any story. If you ever seen the fucking greatest stories you ever heard, it was a flawed character who sees the error of their ways and rebuilds himself into something better. The guy that wrote Amazing Grace the guy that wrote the song Amazing Grace was a slaver at one time. Was a white slaver. I mean, that's what he dealt. That was his business, was selling slaves, transporting slaves. And he, that song is a literal description of what happened. He saw the error of his ways. And in perpetuity, amazing grace is a description of someone that finds they they found the right way. And just like the United States did in 1865. And there's always people kicking and screaming. I understand that. But eventually people see the error of their ways and stuff like that. And we just... We have to get beyond that thing and say, you know, when I was drinking, I justified everything I did through the lens of drinking. And that allowed me to drink. Of course I have to drink. I'm in a lot of stress. It didn't work for me. I'm not saying drinking. I, I, I've said this numerous times on the show. My drinking problem has nothing to do with your leisure drinking. If it does not affect your life and there are no repercussions for it, and even if there are repercussions for that, it's your choice. It's your choice. It's it's a shame if you have people that are prisoner of your, if you have a problem, if people are prisoners to your addiction, the people themselves that are addicted, and the people have to deal with you. That's a shame. But... 
That's one of the freedoms of that. And that's what makes America great. And then we do redress those things. And we can become greater and bigger. And we're greater, better, and bigger because we do see those things. China doesn't do it. You know, fucking Russia doesn't do it. Now, Germany was forced to do it, and Japan was forced to do it after World War II by the Allies. The Nuremberg Trials. Japan, by MacArthur having uh, forcing a constitution on the Japanese. Because they were aggressors. And the U.S. was good about that for many years of saying, yeah, we were wrong. We were wrong then. Did you ever lose your cool and have to apologize? Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. Jesus made mistakes. If you believe in Jesus, Jesus made mistakes. I'm sure he apologized after he flipped over a bunch of tables and the thing. You know, I could have, I could have gone about that a little better than showing my anger. Or God. Or God flipping over the, the game board, the Monopoly table, which is, was the earth when he flooded it. Well, fuck it. You guys are all fucked up. I'm going to kill all of you. Like there were cockroaches. Oh, but did the two good cockroaches going to... Uh, that's a little extreme. I understand that. We can be better. We should not model our behavior on the worst aspects of someone else's behavior. Even if that's the behavior of a god. If you view it, you can be better than that. I'm not saying you'd be better than God. Your behavior can be better. And we don't have to hate people because we disagree with them. We don't have to. We don't have to take away their rights to vote, though. In the inner city, you know, this should be a proper num- number of polling places and access to polling, uh, access to vo- voting. Everyone should have the same voice. We gave it to fucking corporations for God's sakes in the Citizens United decision. Where corporations can pour unlimited amounts of money into political action committees and stuff like that. Because you know what? Corporations are people. Why can't people be people? If people can be people, they got the right to vote. And it shouldn't be overturned on the whim of, well, my guy lost, so there had to be something wrong. I know. I turned to my trip to Poland and all this stuff and Juneteenth into a thing. But you know what? American democracy is still alive. Now we have to we have to really earn it. We have to really earn it right now. Because there's people out there that are looking to restrict that. To go back to the three-fifths. Three-fifths. That's what in the Constitution, original drafted Constitution, that slaves were considered three-fifths of a person when counting. So, slaveholding states had a, they thought, an equitable number of representatives. Which I think, if you're going to make an argument, it says, so you want representatives for people that you don't consider people, right? So you're going to consider them three-fifths. Well, if they're less than a human... Isn't well? Isn't a dog less than a human? Is that one fifth? So if there's hundred thousand dogs, should be twenty considered twenty thousand people? I mean, the reasoning I would have made all those reasonings like this and say, 
I mean, now with the panpsychism, where everything has consciousness, check it out sometime. It's a little, it's a little weird. The theory. It's about the the theory that everything, everything has consciousness, a some level of consciousness, not intelligence level consciousness, but has a some sort of awareness, even inanimate objects. Mm. Like atoms. Wait, atoms aren't really inanimate. Are atoms living? They're moving, right? And anything that moves on its own will, if you were going to tell someone if something can move on its own without an, any Im- impelling of force, we consider that to be living, wouldn't we? It just moved along. When people say, Jim... A motor moves along or a car and so moves along, it's not alive. Yeah, but you put a force behind it and stuff like that. Atoms move on their own accord without us doing anything. So there's suggestion that consciousness goes throughout the universe and the universe itself could be its own consciousness. <sighs> Fucking weird. You gotta really it's hard to grasp. It really is hard to grasp. And some people they like to stay on a basic level. I'm not saying it's it's not settled science. I understand. But it's something to consider. When you consider the far out things, it makes you better understand the simple things. The simple metaphors on how we're all in it together. Do we want to make do we want to make America great again? Yes, I want to make America great again. But I I view our greatness as our power and our diversity. As America as an idea, as its freedoms, as its acceptance of others, the great American mountain pot. And you know what? A lot of people can look at what's going on and be pessimistic of it. I'm going to start speaking about the power of adversity you know, forcing greatness upon us. Adversity forces greatness on us. And we have, to, we have to be able to accept the challenge and do that. Sounds a little hokey. I understand it sounds hokey. But we can do that. For God's sakes, we did a middle of the 21st century thing, put a man on the moon in the 1960s, 69. Right? Was it 69 or 70? Well, whatever. Within the decade. And another country hasn't done it yet again. 50 years later. And how many people have rockets and stuff like that? And we did it. I know some of you conspiracy theorists, you shouldn't be listening to the show. (coughs) Well, maybe you should. You should expand your horizons. Because a lot of times... It's easier to accept a flat earth than to try to understand science as gravity and things like that. But, oh, I think I've spent, I'm almost an hour. I am killing you guys. I do appreciate you guys for listening. If you do like the show, I know it sounds a little ham-handed, and I may do another show. Uh, But follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keys Bartender. Follow Keys Bartender. Okay? Do it for me. Send me an email to jim at keysbartender.com.
any crazy question in the world. I appreciate everyone that, Danny, I appreciate you in uh, Tennessee. I appreciate uh, Dave Ace here in Key Largo who listens to the show and wants to chat even though I haven't mastered the technology yet. We're going to be trying some new things in the next couple months. Hopefully in a month or so, I'll be doing some shows from Poland. I'll have to do it. I'll have to set up and do it. I'll have to get some Wi-Fi, set up, do the thing. Um, I'll just have them sit here with me. Maybe record some audio. Once again, if you like the show, please share it with your friends. Like us. We're getting a lot of listeners. Um, for my listeners in other countries where you have restrictions, things like that, stay strong. You're great. You can be great too. I don't mean be American. Be great on your own. There are great societies out there. I realize that. You being great does not forego other people being great and does not make you less and make them better. Just makes, and it's not everyone gets a fucking award thing. It's trying your best. Yes. There's people that shine at hitting a ball in a stick. Yes, that's great. Hitting a ball with a stick. They do really great. And they get paid $100 million a year. What the fuck? But greatness does not just belong to those sports heroes. Or movie stars or singers or dancers or whatever the fuck. Painters. Or TikTok stars. Who gives a shit? I mean, they're doing... If you get followers and stuff like that, great. If I don't have one, great. I'm trying. You should be trying. You should be trying on whatever you like to go and do. Chase that dream down. Do it. Do it for the right reasons too. There's a balance of sacrifice and self-care you got to put in there. You got to find it. Okay? And I thank you for listening. This really helps me. This is my uh, thing that gets me out. I haven't been, I'm never anxious when I do this stuff. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate you very much. I thank you, everyone. And, uh, and what I really hope is that you're all well and happy. And you can be happy. It's a decision. And maybe the next time we're going to talk to show, I think it's some, who is it, Canon? Uh, Asian, an Asian company, Canon, the one that used to make the, makes copiers now, but they used to make uh, optics and cameras and all that stuff. They instituted a uh, thing where you cannot enter the, the office building without smiling. It's a facial recognition software. You have to smile in order to gain entry. I have a weird feeling either way about it, but I don't necessarily I'm down on it. We'll talk about that later. I thank you. Have a great day and I'll be back. Maybe I'll be back later on today. Bye.